Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. This podcast is being released the week of Valentine's Day, so it's only appropriate that I share a love story with you. Longtime pastor Tony Scott, who was married to his late wife for 55 years, shares about what contributed to the longevity in their marriage. Then from Duck Dynasty, it's Phil Robertson. He returned to the Meeting House recently to offer his viewpoint on what has come to be known as cancel culture and how he is motivated by the Lord to walk in love even toward those who might reject him. And on this edition of The Intersection, it's former teacher Rebecca Friedrichs of For Kids and Country. She has a new movie on the horizon identifying trends in schools that are inconsistent with a Christian worldview and how parents and teachers can respond. Finally, education, learning about God's Word was the topic of my conversation with William Blocker of the College of Biblical Studies based in Houston, who has heard on the radio feature Word to the Wise. You'll hear his comments on how CBS helps people to study the Word. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Tony Scott is a longtime pastor who was married to his late wife, Shirley, for 55 years. Before her death, they wrote a book together entitled One Plus One Equals One, The World's Greatest Love Relationship Equation. In a recent Meeting House conversation, he explored the concept of two becoming one in marriage. Here now is... Tony Scott. You just have to go back to before the beginning is what I say, because, mm. because before there was a heaven and earth, before there were people, um, a human race for that matter, there was oneness in the Godhead. He, he said, I, I'm one God. And of course, for those of us who are Trinitarian, we know he manifests himself in, in, in three different personalities, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But there was a oneness of the Godhead that permeated society, permeates even to this day society, permeates the universe. The uni- I think it's the foundational law of the universe. Um, if you look up at the constellations, the suns, the moons, the stars, they don't bump into each other. There's a uniqueness about that oneness of God that brings order into the universe. That same oneness brings order into the church. That same oneness brings order into a marriage, into a family. And so the process of oneness, or the law of oneness, as I call it and believe that it is, she and I both bought into that. And we decided as much as is possible, as it depended on us, we would be one. And we literally worked at it, and, and it was a joy to work at it because we didn't have that competition in our marriage, and we didn't have those uh, moments when, you know, we were at odds with each other, or yes, at times we disagreed, and yes, at times we had our little spats in the earlier years, but we grew into that oneness of God. We bought into it uh, hook, line, and sinker. And we've, we've found four things about it. First of all, it's a process. It never ends. Secondly, it's costly. Selfishness is never allowed. Thirdly, it's challenging. You have to prepare to be stretched. And fourthly, it requires great determination. And I call it focus, focus, focus. 
So these are the the four different components. There is the recognition that it's a process, that it's costly, that it's challenging, and also that there's great determination involved. So, and I was I was kind of thinking in my mind about a, a possible question uh, to ask you, and and I'm not sure it's really an accurate one because I was going to say. You know, how is it that one or that a couple achieves oneness? And, you know, I think that may be the wrong way to look at it. It may be more of because we are husband and wife, we have oneness. We are in a one flesh relationship. It's our responsibility then to walk in what God has already provided. It doesn't sound like it's necessarily something that is achieved, but it is something that is allowed to work through us. I don't know. What do you well, think? You, well, you live it uh, on, on a day-by-day basis. I, I see a, a lot of, of couples struggling in their marriage relationship. One of the things that I find is missing is intimacy. Intimacy has one meaning for a man. He will mostly say that sex. Uh, intimacy for a woman is is totally different than that, even though for both of them, obviously, it would include that. But intimacy, uh, I sort of break the word down in the book and say, into me, see. And we talk about soul nakedness, where I really didn't keep anything from her. I, I wanted her to know what was going on in my life. She wanted me to know what was going on in her life. And we had this incredible vulnerability with each other. I I could tell her anything. She could tell me anything. And we developed that intimacy with one another. We were one with each other. And that, that intimacy and that being vulnerable kept us close together. And we celebrated the fact that we, I would rather be with her than anybody else on the earth. She would rather be with me than anybody else on the earth. And the two of us were enough. I mean, we didn't we didn't need anybody else. We had other people in our lives. We have two children. We have four grandchildren, and we love it. We loved every minute of having them there. But she and I could go off by ourselves and and be just as fulfilled. Tony Scott here on the intersection. You can find out more by going to tonyscott.tv. Well, the intersection continues now with Phil Robertson. He is the host of the television series called In the Woods with Phil, which can be obtained at blazetv.com. He's also the author of a new book entitled Uncanceled, Finding Meaning and Peace in a Culture of Accusations, Shame, and Condemnation. From a recent Meeting House conversation, here now is Phil Robertson. A few years back, I'm seated in this chair I'm seated in right now, uh, I'd say five or six years ago, and some guy with a GQ magazine, which I'd never heard of, he came in and he walked over to me and he said, uh, uh, do you believe homosexual behavior is a sin? Now, I'm seated in my chair. Somebody asked me a question like they're a magazine reporter, and I was a little surprised at the question. But I didn't say anything. I just said, well, do I believe homosexual behavior is a sin? I said, so off the top of my head, here's what I, I I quoted. I didn't say where it was. I just quoted it without saying where it was in the Bible. But where it is is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now, I'm telling him this 
and I'm not reading it. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, and I kind of stopped and kind of pointed at him like that's what you asked that, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then the good news came, and that is what some of you, this was written to the church at Corinth, and that's what some of you were. But now's the good news. You were washed, you were sanctified, set apart, you were justified, meaning their sins were removed, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. They took that, the cancel culture, my answer. They left that back part about you can be saved if you repent and turn to Jesus, no matter what you've done, any kind of sexual sins. So that was my point, but they just took it and ran with it, and A&E got wind of it, and they just tried to, to, to blow us off the planet, more or less. So I never said anything else about it. I didn't blame them. I didn't call A&E. They put me on an indefinite hiatus. And I told them, I said, I looked up hiatus in a dictionary, and it, it said not part of the program anymore. <laughs> oh, boy. So I gave, I gave them the answer, and, and I got to thinking about it, and all of a sudden I began to see all these other people that the cancel culture drops the axe on. One of them said something when she was 16 or 17 over the Internet, and now she had a job and all, and they, they, she said something out of line, in their opinion, and they would cancel. They tried to cancel her. They had her fired. She no longer works in that employment. So there's been a massive change since what happened to me, and now, and I just wanted to write a book to give them God's answer to the whole thing. You read that passage, powerful passage from Colossians about Jesus canceling our debts. You know, that to me, that sounds like that's your biblical definition of cancellation, if you will. The fact you are that we... correct. You are correct. <laughs> By the way, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's a wonderful little text about love. Yeah. Here's what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. Just in lieu of what's going on in the United States, and these people are drum, drumming up in all people's old sin, they're holding it against some of our founding fathers, holding it against them when they sinned. And they, that was 200 years ago. They still blame them. It's not rude, love is. It's not self-seeking. It's not easy angered. Now listen to this. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Well, what do you know? You say, what, what's the problem we have in America with people trying to cancel this one and that one and the other and digging up their past and all that highlight? You know what their problem is? They don't love God. The two greatest commands in the Bible, these people do not blow, love God, and they don't love their neighbor. Bill Robertson here on The Intersection. You can learn more through Facebook and Instagram by searching for Official Phil Robertson. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can learn more at meetinghouseonline.info 
or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. There you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. There are links to the podcast from that homepage to the Media Center as well as the Apple Podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. You can also link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from The Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Just look for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and a number of other podcast providers. Well, the intersection continues now with Rebecca Friedrichs, the founder of the organization for Kids and Country and producer of the film Whose Children Are They? In a recent Meeting House conversation, she discussed the concept of the film and her motivation for being involved in it. The film is scheduled to be in theaters on March 14th for one night only. Here now from that conversation is Rebecca Friedrichs. This movie is so needed and the timing is perfect. It's it's God's blessing, the timing. Um, There's so many things going on in our schools. This, This whole COVID nonsense really opened the eyes of parents to see what was going on in our schools. And what most people don't realize is that the teachers inside the schools are against these horrible agendas too. They were just trapped. And in such a corrupt system, they were unable to find a voice or too mm. afraid to speak out. And they really needed parents to come alongside them. So it's such a huge miracle that the parents are awake and our movie seeks to educate everyone, all the stakeholders, not only what's on what's really going on in our schools, but who's behind it and how to stop it. So our goal is to galvanize everyone together and to fight and to restore our educational system and, and truly to save our country because the only way to keep a free republic is with a well-educated and moral citizenry that can self-govern. So we have to mm. fix our education system and restore the morals that have been destroyed through our current educational system. Do you find that perhaps teachers are in such a, a pressure position that if they were to speak out, they might end up like, well, Tanner Cross in Virginia and, and lose their jobs? Thankfully, he was reinstated. But is, th- is that indicative of the type of pressure they're under? Yes, teachers have been under this type of pressure for decades. They've been, you know, the rest of the country has been scared and silent, I don't know, for the last less than a decade. Teachers have been under this a whole lot longer. So they're more afraid than the average um, citizen out there. However, thanks to the National Education Association, the largest teacher union, we know because they did three separate studies over a 35-year period And in those studies, this is in my book, very clearly laid out, in those studies, it proves that only 12% of teachers are decisively liberal. And I think if they'd have put leftist in there, maybe it would have been even less. But the majority of teachers, even according to their study, the majority are conservative. My experience as a teacher for 28 years, uh, I taught in a low-income neighborhood, a huge majority of the teachers and the families had conservative Judeo-Christian virtue and values. Even if they didn't vote that way, or maybe they'd been deceived, if you sat and talked with them, 
They, they didn't agree with abortion. They, uh, they believed in family. They believed in, you know, being polite and kind and letting others speak. It's really important that teachers and, and parents stand together because we think alike. We care for the children together. We're all against the system that has invaded our schools and our families. So if we stand together and push the system out, then we can do what's right for our children and our families and our virtues. So as you went through the process of putting together this film, what are some of the components that you wanted to include? Oh, that's a great question. We wanted to give voice to great teachers, parents, brave students, brave teachers. They all have to be brave, parents, teachers, kids, and a few experts. And we wanted to expose some very specific things that are going on in America's schools. Number one, critical race theory and anti-American uh, agenda to, to actually um, make America seem like a bad place. Uh, we wanted to expose the anti-discipline policies that came through the Obama administration that have turned our classrooms into war zones. Teachers don't know why there's no discipline anymore. They're frustrated. Uh, we wanted to expose the radical sex ed curricula that's in our schools. And it's not just California, it's nationwide. We wanted to expose that the teacher union has control over the PTA. Uh, we wanted to expose what went on with the, with the COVID policies and how the teacher union was so deeply involved in that and keeping our schools closed and how they have backroom deals with the CDC. CDC is also unionized. So we're exposing how the unions are controlling our schools undermining them. And we're doing that through personal testimony. And then also through those testimony, we talk about ways in which we can end the nightmare and change things by adopting teachers, by a mass union exit, by standing together, by refusing to accept the status quo and bringing back the educational system that our founders first set up in this country, which was amazing, the best education system around. And, it, it, you know, the majority of our society was reading well. We were polite. We were mm. God-fearing people. So we want to bring that back. Rebecca Friedrichs here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to the website whosechildrenarethey.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's the president of the College of Biblical Studies based in Houston. His name is William Blocker. He is heard on the radio feature Word to the Wise. Here now to underscore the importance of learning more about God's Word, here is William Blocker. Well, the mission of the college is very simple. The College of Biblical Studies exists to glorify God by educating and equipping multi-ethnic Christian leaders to impact the world for Christ. And what's so unique about the college is that we're dealing with everyday people everyday lives who have a passion to come either to grow deeper in God's word, to answer a calling in their life, or to sharpen their tools, to enhance their personal lives, their families, their churches, and their communities. And it is, I mean, it is a gem because, as you probably know, uh, Houston is now the most diverse city in the country. In 2013, it's a pass to New York. And so you have all tongues, all tribes, and all nations, and the College of Biblical Studies is right in the center of training all of those tribes, all of those nations. 
And give us an idea. There are a number of, of colleges and universities, even those that wear the name or the label of being Christian colleges. If someone is searching for a, a biblical education, what would be, as you put, as you would relate it to us as the president of CBS, CBS Houston, what would be the way that you would make the case with respect to the adherence to Scripture, to the authority of the Word of God? Uh, we teach the inherent Word of God. And we, uh, here's how I describe it. Uh, if you have passion uh, and you love to come and uh, grow in Christ, we are very intentional. And here's our tagline. Everybody teaches. You go to multiple colleges who are going to teach. We cover all the books of the Bible. And our goal is to teach truth, inerrant, infallible truth that leads to, here's the big word, transformation. And people come in looking for purpose, and the Word of God informs them and illuminates and gives them revelations through the Holy Spirit of what God's Word is saying, and they come out of this passionately equipped to do what God has purposed in their life. Give me an idea with respect to the, the ambitions or the goals of the students generally. In other words, what sort of degrees are they looking at? What sort of coursework? What perhaps are, are some of the, the types of careers or ministries that they're looking into? Is it simply for people who are looking to become involved in ministry? Or, or give me a, kind of a, an idea about the types of students that you have. Okay, so here's why I like to couch it. There's two pathways, and then we'll get to the courses in a second. Sure. There is the professional development track, and then there's the full-time ministry track. The personal development track deals with an individual who's going out in any workplace, who wants to be grounded in God's word, learning how to be a better Christian, a better leader, a better father, a better mother, a better husband, a better wife. And we have a track specifically designed for those individuals who we take them through, they learn the content of the Bible and all of, from every single book, they go through and learn how to effectively do inductive Bible study, and then we teach them biblical worldview and those godly principles of how to understand the doctrines of the faith, the doctrines of the scriptures. That's one track. And, and we have different courses that will lead them to that. That's professional. On the other side, we have what's called the, the career track, if you will, and that is where we offer those programs like biblical counseling. If you want to go into counseling, we have a, BA, uh, uh, a BS in that strictly Bible study, if you want to go biblical studies, and that's you're going on to get seminary degree, we have organizational leadership, and that impacts any career you want to go in. And then we have a special track called Christian Leadership that uh, we teach in Spanish, completely in Spanish, and then we have a whole separate track for women who want to do specifically women's ministry. So those two avenues unfold all of those courses and all those programs that allow anybody who is passionate about living for Christ to come to the College of Biblical Studies. William Blocker here on The Intersection. You can learn more through cbshouston.edu. The radio program's website is wordtothewise.org. We're nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. 
You'll find that link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as to the Apple Podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can find links to video content. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.